Greetings, everyone. Hey, how you doing? It's Matt Sella. Today, we are doing a Season 1 review for the revival of the Animaniacs 2020 edition. Joined here with me, as always, is my good zany friend, Mark, a.k.a. Marcello. How you doing out there, Mark? Well, Matt, I'm doing all right. I feel like it's the 90s all over again. I'm sitting here and, um, yeah, just sitting here, much like in the 90s, I am sitting. You know, nothing's really going on. I mean, uh, oh, wait, wait. Oh, cool. What's up? They finally made, I can't believe this. Everyone, you're going to have to, if you're not sitting down like me in true 90s fashion, you're going to stand right up again. This is this is groundbreaking news. They finally made season six of Animaniacs almost like 22 years later. Can you believe it? Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, it's a revival. Revival. Mm. Yes. That's right, folks. We're here to review the Hulu original series, 2020's Animaniacs. And just like in the 90s, they are, in fact, zany to the max. And and if I may interject there, Mark, I do have to remind our fellow viewers that if you enjoy reviews like this that Mark and I like to do here, be sure to like this video and share it amongst your friends who are fans of animation and want to hear different opinions and perspectives on things. We really appreciate it, and don't forget to subscribe. Anywho, Mark... Why don't you let the fine folks know, what's the deal with this soft reboot, revival, whatever you may call it, of the Animaniacs on Hulu? Yeah, what's the deal, man? Tell me. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Ooh, Matt, you're so excited. Calm down. You, you gotta relax. Um, I don't know what that was supposed to be. I think I cracked halfway between, like, Pinky and one of the Warners there. I'm not sure. It is reverse puberty. Ugh. Well, that's what it feels like. We're just going back to the 90s, my friend. Yeah, you know, we could say that, you know, we are once more joining the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister Dot just for fun as they run around the Warner movie a lot. It's almost, you know, has a real sing-songy quality to it. But um, actually, we're we're not even really running around the Warner movie a lot anymore. We're, we're, we're globetrotting. We're going to Russia. We're going to ancient Greece. We're going to the not Olympics and other places. It's it, 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 it truly zany, to the max even, one might say. And Pinky and the Brain are here too, but huh, is it just me or were there, were there more characters in Animaniacs back in season five? You know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. I think we have ourselves a conversation. This might even be a video. Then let's talk about it, Mark. All right. Well, let's talk about it indeed. So um, I think we, news of this came out a while, like a long time ago at this point. And I think it was even as early as... 2017 i think it was around the time it showed up on the original showed up on netflix i think it was in 2016 and i think it because um they were looking to do like a bunch of numerous revivals especially after the success quote unquote of fuller house <sighs> but um anyway yeah and that I know there was going to be a big controversy at one point because i don't think the original it was at least speculated or widely reported that the original voice actors weren't coming back but they did do not worry, folks. Good old Rob Paulson, Tress McNeil, and Jess Harnell are back, along with Maurice LaMarche and Frank Walker, actually, even. And it's just, it it truly feels like a continuation, because it is, it's a revival, and not a reboot, as it kind of tries to make a point of saying. I feel like this is another one of those nitpicky things where, like, we discuss, there's a difference between spoof and satire. But um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. It is a revival. We clearly make a point of saying it's 22 years after the original. And you know, I mean, Yakko even eats a tablet, gains all some of all human knowledge, a convenience, you know, bite-sized tablet. Minus two years, of course. Of course. But um, that's because the, so the show writers wrote it in 2018. <laughs> so we don't know. 
the future, except, you know, there are worsening climate disasters and, you know, our polar bear masters, you know, as is in the current year. Yeah, I got the nouns a little mixed up there, but that's fine. A degree to disagree. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, and um, that's really it. There's, um, while we do miss a lot of the original cast, uh, Pinky and the Brain are back in addition to the Warner Brothers, and we have a few new segments weirdly enough in a different art style than the main segments which wasn't really how the original worked either it definitely seems like it's where the showrunners are trying new things which is good but um overall matt like what did you kind of think of it we have you know the original voice actors back and everything you know the designs are slightly modernized but you know still hold true to the original a little more than you know some more radical reboots like the ducktales one which we are f- fans of of course but what did you think how do, what do you think of this first sort of dive back into late 80s 90s cartoons from the warner side of the pond if you will so to kick things off folks the reason why we keep referring to it as a revival not quite a reboot because it is my argument kind of stands where the first episode states that the warner brothers and the warner sister dot have been away for about 22 years and they finally returned to the lot the water tower and all that and they discovered like there's new people there while some old ones like ralph is still there various things like that And throughout the show, they make a lot of references, as far as I can tell, to previous episodes back in the 90s of events they did. Like, for example, like every time either, I think mostly Dot attempts to sing an educational song, but I do know Wacko tries as well. And before usually that commences, Yakko does warn saying, like, if you're going to do an educational song, you got to make sure you get it right. And then like Wacko or something at one point goes like, okay, mister, I can name every country in a song kind of reference. My point of being is that they seem to reference a lot of past gags in the original show. So them mentioning that now, in my mind, means that that's canon events that occurred. And so I don't see this as a reboot, as a reboot is supposed to start things fresh using the base premise of that show or whatever show it's trying to reboot. And so that's why for a while, Mark and I, we would call it a continuation, but I suppose a revival is probably a more generous terminology, I would say, for this show. Even though throughout the show itself, they always called it a reboot. Word by word basis, I kind of disagree. I think it's more of a revival than a reboot. So that's pretty much where we're coming from. And I totally agree, Matt. And, um, I mean, the passage of time is shown, even with some absence of characters canonically, like Mr. Plotz as the head of the studio is no longer there. But instead, we have Nora, Rita, Norita. And um, she might be even more unhinged than the Warners in some cases. <laughs> Which I actually quite enjoyed that. But to also kind of talk about people, like, where have they been? Um, the Animaniacs themselves haven't really explained where they were over the last 22 years, as far as I can remember. But I do like the fact that the very first Pinky and the Brain segment, we actually get an explanation of where they've been for 22 years. And that was Brain spending all that time trying to create an or a plan to hypnotize and take over the world or something. So they did explain Pinky in the Brain. Animaniacs, that's still technically in the air. A little bit. I also thought Brain was technically inventing the internet, which led to the... But that's neither here nor there. The point is, Brain's been busy. Exactly. So as far as my takeaways from this series, I'm going to have a really hot take here. I don't even think I mentioned it to Mark before we started recording. But one of the elements that I really enjoyed this revival of the Animaniacs is how much adult humor 
is throughout the episodes. Specifically, political humor. Now, obviously, I'm not going to show my hand too much here, but I do pay attention a lot to things going on in the world. And so I do enjoy myself a lot of political humor when it comes up. I find great joy in that. And so it is fought filled with political humor in there. And yet still kids can enjoy it. I love that. And I remember on Twitter, there were a couple of people saying like, ah, this show, it feels like it's too politically forced. And I remember watching a couple old Animaniac episodes, as well as like compilation videos of like Pinky in the Brain doing political humor. And it's kind of funny to think about that stuff where as a kid, you don't really notice that kind of stuff in your kid shows, but adults may. And since I'm an adult now, and I'm assuming Mark's an adult, we kind of recognize those adult commentary jokes that the Animaniacs now has. So I kind of like that parallel there where it's like, oh yeah, we kind of grew up with it and now we know exactly what they were referencing. I mean, like Bill Clinton played the sax, so. Yeah, it, it, I, I think if I may chime in, Matt, it, it plays both sides fairly fair. I mean, back in the 90s, we had jokes of Bill Clinton and the sax and um, even Hillary and other people. And then we had jokes about Rush Limbaugh. So, you know, I think it's fairly inclusive in its satire. And I think it holds true even in this version. In a way, I would describe the political humor or just the adult humor in general is I see the Animaniacs a more kid-friendly version of South Park where everyone will be made fun of. And I highly appreciate that when it comes to the writing. For sure. It's pretty great, especially uh, just in the f- it, it shows up in a few of the songs, actually, and even just some of the caricatures we see. Just funny stuff, either all around the board. So we could talk about this for a while now, but I don't want to make my end of the review too long. I want to give Mark the platform to kind of share his opinions. So I'm going to get straight to the point here. My biggest gripe with this new season on Hulu is, yes, I like the Animaniacs. Wacko is actually my favorite. But what really made me love the show as a kid was Slappy Squirrel and her passive-aggressive, snarky insults. I love that. And I was actually severely disappointed. It's a semi-spoiler, I suppose. We didn't really say we were going to do spoiler talk here. But I will warn you here, there is a spoiler here. Slappy does not say a single word in this season and is barely mentioned. And honestly, that kind of upsets me. That was like one of my biggest selling points. The show's revival. We didn't get any Slappy Squirrel. And gotta say, I'm actually quite disappointed by that. Now, I don't know the reason why, because I think Mark will mention there's a lot of original cast of characters from the early seasons that were not featured in this revival. And I don't know if that's like a royalties thing or something else, but I thought the anime acts was great. The humor, the segments and all that. But there were a couple mini stories that came up where I thought to myself, you know, I feel like you could have like, instead of writing this joke, the storylines that I thought were kind of meh, the new elements and all that, that did involve Pinky in the Brain or the Animaniacs, we could have had a Slappy segment in there or one of the other characters from the old series, but we didn't, and that's why... I'm jumping ahead of myself, Animaniacs. It could have been perfect, but no slappy, so I'm going to have to bring it down to a great. Now, quick thing I will say and tie into that, then I'm going to jump over to Mark here to finish his thoughts of what he liked and didn't like. Overall, it was great. I did like some of the new cast members. I really enjoyed the German guy. I actually thought he was really funny, especially in the second time he appeared. A lot of great jokes there. I do like the new CEO lady, and I also love Dwayne from the bunny episode i thought he was creepy effing weird is it weird his design when he first showed up i thought it was going to be the animaniacs verse stephen king you know i was just thinking that too he's like a extra demented version of stephen king like he looks like stephen king right like it wasn't just me he definitely has that head shape to it 
like I was like, I don't know, is is Stephen King a pro bun? Does he support the right to bear buns? No, it was great. There and there is a dull political humor joke in there as well. I remember that at the very end. But yeah, I do know for a fact that and I'll say this to get this off my chest real quick, I, I'm pretty sure among the adult fans or the weeb fans, whatever you want to call them, weebo, weebo, I don't know. Anyway, the Animaniacs anime segment is probably a major takeaway for a lot of folks. And even though I'm not a big fan of anime in general, the fact is, and I followed some of the artists and animators who worked on that segment on Twitter, I like the fact that the designs that they gave Yakko, Wacko, and Dot were heavily inspired by like mainly trigger properties such as Kill a Kill, Little Witch Academia, and the more recent title that came out, BNA, Brand New Animal. It definitely had that action vibe to it that I really liked. And Mark mentioned to me before that there were actually Gurren Logan references in there. Well, that's not Trigger. A lot of people who worked on Gurren Logan had a connection with Trigger or vice versa. So it was a really good Western take on trying to simulate the anime motif and tropes. And I thought they did a fantastic job there but yeah overall like the new cast of characters i like them i want to see them a little bit more fleshed out and into more situations but the one thing that i didn't really it didn't really work for me but it's not a negative is they introduced new cast of characters i assume mark that were actually animated in a different art style than the traditional animaniac style hence the gnome in the mouth as well as the little alien who was captured by Cindy, a little girl who is trying to get to a ship so he can tell his army to come down and invade Earth. Like, conceptually speaking, they were fun ideas, but they were done in a completely different art style and yet still had the same Animaniacs music? I don't know, it just felt a little jarring to me. And so that's probably like the one thing where I was like, man, I kind of wish you, you rendered it out to match the Animaniacs universe, but whatever. It, some of them were still fun. Like, I did really like the uh, gnome in the mouth thing, because John DiMaggio got to be an angry little gnome, and I like that. Anyway, Mark, uh, I babbled on long enough. Uh, do you agree or disagree with me on anything I brought up, or is there anything unique that you took away from this series? Well, I will say, I, out of the new segments, I really liked the one with the eyeballs in the dark. I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about that one. That one was really funny. And um, I also liked the I liked the gnome in the mouth one because of John DiMaggio in it. I think it had the writing, along with the eyeball one, actually, that felt very Animaniacs. And I feel like the art style differentiation wasn't as... Uh, notice it wasn't as prominent for me at least with the gnome one but mainly because i liked the art direction of that one more than some of the others but um it is it was jarring the change in art style especially with it keeping the music of the animaniac style which made it feel like it was connected but not connected in a weird way really i like the first set of episodes really uh, the first one um, particularly the one with the first one the one where they're in ancient greece i like the pink and the brain with the dragon the olympic one of course brain building himself a robot son and then finally in episode five we get a reason for where all the past characters have gone and they've been hunted by this huntsman who i loved i don't know who voice acted him and i'm sure someone in the comments section will be more than happy to let me know and i thank you in advance i'm just not going to review on the fly here because that would be bad radio or video or whatever this is podcasting bad podcasting yeah we're people in the 2020s we we don't do radio or video it's a podcast world kids hard and fast coming at you but i'm sadly we're not in our 20s not anymore. Well, it's the year 2020, Matt, and I'm still technically in my 20s, so shut up. 
anyway, I really loved that character because he also just felt like he was, I could see him very naturally in the original run of the show. But um, it's then revealed, crazy enough, that um, I warned you, we warned you about spoilers already. It was Chicken Boo the whole time, the least popular character in the show. And the transformation is actually horrifying. It's like borderline some Pinocchio Pleasure Island shit for me. Yeah, some body horror for kids. It is, but um, then the characters eventually are revealed to have not been dead so much as they were incapacitated or stuff or whatever for comedic effect or whatever. And there's some fun background characters. Like there's uh, Farfig Newton from Wacko's Wish. There's the Thanksgiving Pilgrim guy who uh, wanted the Wack- the Warners to give him the bird. Um, and even some obscure characters. Like I forget her name, but she was the girl who like, it was supposed to be like a parody of like teenage mood swings or something. Like she would get angry and like Hulk out or turn into like a monster or something sometimes where her family was always on edge. I remember her weirdly enough because and then she's in the background of a bunch of other characters but of course there's the hippos there's slappy squirrel who was my favorite as well and i really kind of hoped was going to be in the reboot because i would have loved to have seen her old school 1930s 40s 50s cartoon mindset you know how just give her thoughts on even how cartoons are today where things are a lot more uh serialized and you know there's all kinds of different things just i think it would be a funny cynical look at modern cartoons even today but um here's hoping for season two i really would have liked to have seen them um some of the images for how the characters were hunted and stuffed was actually horrifying the hippos like are these angels and like i don't know why that stuck with me but good god that was horrifying but um, anyway, yeah. Then after really that in episode five, some of them kind of fall flat for me. And there's one where it kind of goes all a uh, Sanrio design where Dot tries to find a recipe for cuteness to cure a disgusting world. I thought that one was fine. But then it, there's some murder on the Orient Express, some French Revolution stuff. Um, there is a fun one where Brain, after not learning his lesson for making a son, makes uh, the perfect first woman. And that sets up a new rival for him who wasn't the hamster from, I think, the spin-off show but like that'll be fun going forward but then we get to episode 10 and things kind of shoot back up for me there's some really great albeit dated russian humor especially kind of playing off the whole russia gate stuff in recent elections and things like that it just kind of possibly i think probably a little offensive but also just unapologetic and almost feels very 90s which almost makes it funny for me though of course i get it if you're if that's not quite right but um it was like just really funny and then there's the halloween one where the warners just terrorize pennywise or their royalty free version of pennywise and that just felt so warners to me just because i was like okay this very quote-unquote serious thing if you consider pennywise a serious thing and um what's gonna happen the warners are just gonna drive it crazy and ruin it and kind of take the piss on it and i loved it it was great it was funny and then you know just finally we find out where doc scratch and stiff has been this whole time and it's he's had the tummy aches they have to go get this hindenburg cola what was that now hindenburg cola could you say that again hindenburg cola one more time now hindenburg cola and we get the return of the bodybuilder again who was also just really funny he didn't quite win me over in the first episode even though he goes to hell but he's back and then he goes back to hell again after getting beaten by the warners and it's great i think that could be a fun recurring gag because they even say hell and you couldn't say hell in the 90s on a kid show it was always heck or that place or down below or whatever and there's these demons who do this scorecard thing and it's always 666 until the second time was 665 and he's deducting a point for meta humor and it's just funny and i know it's just the middle we i could take or leave with some of it but it all in all it, it is very much a worthy revival i eagerly look forward to season two and it's yeah i'd give it a i'd say it i'd say it's great i don't think it's perfect but i think it's just really fun i think it 
delivers on what it's going to be, albeit without a lot of the original cast, which I do think is its biggest flaw in many ways. I think a lot of people are probably going to come at this being like, well, we've had so much more biting political satire and modern culture things like with Bojack Horseman and things like that. It's like, yeah, but this is the Animaniacs and it's going to seem more subdued because it is still at the end of the day, a kid's show. That's the point of this. And it's just fun. Now, let me play devil's advocate for the argument that me and Mark are trying to say. I understand where people might be like, wait, you guys are docking the rating, which we don't really have a rating no much but purely subjective it is subjective it's just our opinion but i'm sure some of you will be like wait you're docking it because they didn't have a lot of like the old cast members in there well what about those who are new to the series and never heard of these characters and they're enjoying it right off the bat yeah i'll give you that bone that's totally fine it's a subjective opinion the only thing is for me and i can't exactly speak for mark but maybe he'll agree with me is i just wish there was some new segments or reoccurring characters if not from the original animaniacs just stronger presence of new characters because i will say this much binging the series which is probably not the natural way of the 90s but it is natural nowadays the pinky and the brain segments and the animaniacs segments did become a little repetitive and i would have liked to see more variety of characters to feature and yes the new segments did kind of break that a little bit but again we've already gone into our reasons why it was still kind of jarring so i agree if some of you disagree with us about needing the new cast members to come back i get where you're coming from 100 i'm saying on my terms though the pinky in the brain and animaniac segments they felt like they were running a marathon where they should have had their occasional breaks and had someone else come in to just kind of like keep it fresh but that's just my opinion i don't know if mark you echo that at I, all I, or not. I, I agree and i think what could have helped this was if we we had we swapped out every once in a while a warner and a pinky with a re- like if the gnome character came back and like they was like okay this is our new other recurring segment or character but these segments that were original to this just felt very isolated there was no at least yet season two subject or whatever but i think if they even had like the gnome come back or even did another eyeball sketch or even another masterpiece theater like it would have it would have helped I think help us endear us to the this new segment in characters, but also just helped, you know, make some of the uh, kind of weed out maybe some of the weaker Animaniacs or Pinky and the Brain sketches. Not that there were any bad ones, but there, I think most people say there are definitely weaker ones in this reboot, uh, in this revival. I, God, they made me do it, Matt. Can you believe it? Because they, they just kept saying reboot in the first episode. It's a revival. It's a revival. They made you zany. They, they made me zany. They made me zany. And now I'm a hypocrite because I just <laughs> contradicted myself. But um, yeah, like if like if they did that, that might have helped. That'd just be my because I don't. I try not to give a critique without giving it. Well, how would you have done it, Smarty Pants? Well, that would be my Smarty Pants answer there. I think one hundred percent. Oh, one last thing before we wrap up here because we are going uh, pretty long and we got places to go, Mark. I can't forget to mention this. I did want to bring up the animation quality of the show. Now, as far as I could understand it, at least reading in the credits, there were two main animation divisions responsible for the show. Snipple Animation, I believe that's what they were called. If I remember correctly, Mark, those that's the same animation studio that does a majority of the animation for DuckTales. If I'm remembering correctly, yes, I think so. So I could definitely see the quality there, especially in the main Pinky in the Brain and Animaniacs segment stories. The other one is one of my favorite animation studios, Titmouse. They do phenomenal work. Which, if you know some of them, they've done, like, Moda City. That's a big one. Tron Uprising. And one of my favorite shows, even though, yeah, I get it, most people don't like it. I actually thought they did a good job here. I actually liked... 
Turbo Fast, the Netflix DreamWorks collaborated animation based off that movie. I actually thought they did a really good job there. They had good writing, good humor. I really liked Titmouse, and I actually know a couple animators who once worked there, and they do a fantastic job. So the point I'm trying to get at here is I was actually a little worried about the animation at first, especially when I saw the trailer. A lot of the segments kind of looked a little stiff, and I understood it was supposed to be like Toon Boom style animation, so it's supposed to be clean and have that vector look, but still have that traditional animation look. The poses and the arcs that they showed looked a little like static for me. But as I started to watch the show, it quickly showed, oh no, there's a lot of elasticity here, squash and stretch, good TV show quality fluid animation. I think they did a really good job here. Not the best TV animation I've seen, but I think they did a really good job at trying to modernize the classic Animaniacs traditional hand-drawn style. That's my personal takeaway. Oh, hands down. And just to go all the way back to the beginning of this review, I would be remiss if we didn't say, yes, there was definitely a studio trigger influence in the bun episode but um i do think the bun guy did invoke images of yu yu Hakusho for me with that i'm gonna get in the comments for not remembering this character's name but the the guy who looked kind of like a bit of a terminator parody with the sunglasses and everything and then he kind of bulks up and everything in his fights with yusuke i forget his name he's kind of like the de facto main villain or adversary he's in the new jump game or the new jump game how old is that game now matt jump force it's only a couple of years old and i think what you're saying is he's like a fusion of that guy from yu yu Hakusho and stephen king <laughs> oh god i didn't even realize that but yes because i'd just be remiss if i didn't never mention yu yu Hakusho when i have a chance to mention yu yu Hakusho. and how many times can i say yu yu Hakusho? one more time yu yu Hakusho. what's that now yu yu Hakusho. oh could you say that again yu yu Hakusho. okay we're not going to go down this road but yeah i i say mark that would be generally our thoughts on the first season of animaniacs i greatly enjoyed it not perfect but Here's hoping that Slappy will come back or we'll start to get more fleshed out with these new characters introduced to us in the first season. I couldn't agree more. Eagerly looking forward to season two and, you know, more adventures. Exactly. Well, you heard our opinion, but now we want to hear yours. Let us know in the comment section below. What did you think of the first season of The Animaniacs on Hulu? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Share your thoughts. Join the conversation. Be sure to leave a like, share, subscribe, ring that bell to be notified when new videos drop. And if you want to support me directly, consider going to my Patreon or do a one-time donation at my Streamlabs. Links are all in the description below. This is Matt Sella. This is Mark. Thanking you all for tuning in.